0: You're listening to Supply Chain Leader Series, the show where we speak to leaders in the supply chain and logistics industry on industry-specific innovations, trends,
1: and business models. Welcome to Single Steps, a podcast initiative by Hedge Asia Consulting. My name is Amos, managing partner and practice leader for the logistics and supply chain sector. I co-host Single Steps with my wonderful colleagues, where we discover talented individuals within each sector and discuss their career journey. Today on our Supply Chain Leader Series, I'm delighted to have Nicole Treadwell from Swarovski, Head of Logistics Services for the Asia-Pacific region. Today's episode is a very unique one for me. My very first female logistics leader. I have always wanted to balance out my guests in terms of gender diversity, but it has been far from easy. I'm lucky today to have with us Nicole. Who will share valuable insights about the logistics and supply chain industry while giving us a glimpse of a career in this sector so far. Nicole has lived and worked across four continents and seven countries, from Central America to Northeast China. Nicole, warm welcome to Single Steps.
0: Thank you, Amos. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I remember the first Swarovski pen that I received (laughs) as a gift. <laughs> I'm not too sure. If, if you know that's like one of the most popular item and I, and, I, and I always associate Swarovski with a, with a female product but only after I received a pen. Uh, I realized the significance of it, and I ever since then I've been walking into the store, checking out new items, uh, myself.
0: Yes, no, no. I mean, we are. I mean, yes. I think um, in some cases we are because of the jewelry perceived as a, a female brand. But I mean, it is just so much more. It's um, it's uh, of course our beautiful crystal figurines. One of, some of them are really in the upper upper pricey segment because there is just so much. Work and crafting going into these pieces, um, but there's also accessories for your phone, for your wallets, for your keychain. So it's it's really a crystallized world out there that you can really enjoy, both male and female.
1: I always see luxury retail as a very uh, interesting industry. I mean, the reason why I say that it's because you have a hybrid of customers. Some customers who already know your brand, they have an affiliation with it. They know what they want. They know what they want to buy. They go online and buy it. There will be another set of customers who say, I want to see it. I want to feel it before I make that decision of buying. So that translates to um, a a very omni-channel kind of marketing strategy for e-commerce. I'm not too sure how Swarovski is adopting it or based on your experience, uh, how do you see e-commerce being able to have a place uh, with brick and mortar coming and play together within the sector?
0: Yes, so absolutely. I mean, I think one, one of the beauties of Swarovski is that we have 125-year heritage, right? So we have 125 years of, 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 of people, of customers who know us, who love us, right, who are very familiar with the product. So in that case, of course, going uh, online and just knowing the product and having that confidence that what you are buying is really very crafty quality uh, is not so much of an issue. In terms of getting new customers, yes, that's definitely a challenge if you don't have the brick and mortar. And this is where you need to leverage off the technology, right? So it's, of course, very difficult to uh, capture the, the sparkle of, of crystals in a, in a virtual reality or augmented reality. But we're really working on that forefront to really go digital that you can try on your jewelry online, offline, and have a very, very similar experience in that area. Um, it will always be a mix of brick and mortar and online, I think um, you need to give people that space to experiment and to experience what the brand is about to tell your story um, for this, the stores. And in this case, our Insta Wonder stores um, are are really key for people to come in and to play and then give them the opportunity to make their purchase wherever they are on their phone, in the store. Uh, wherever on on Instagram, um, wherever they have access to our products and then to service them from a logistics point of view.
1: Right. So this is where um, Swarovski deemed as a conversation with their customer, allowing them to talk to their customer. We have seen a lot of e-commerce platform uh, running different ideas on um, pushing out. Um, their product to customers, for example, live shows. Uh, We have seen probably Swarovski uh, tapping on um, digital fashion show Um, that will allow them to showcase new product, for example. Um, That translates to a very challenging logistics constraint, right? Primarily because if you have a live show going on and then you have a product showcase and suddenly everybody say, okay, I want to buy. When can I buy? When is it launching? Um, Where do you then think the e-commerce logistics would play from a competitive edge perspective?
0: yeah i i think and and this is the part you know wh- where where you can make the key right you need to look at what are the customer expectations in regards to lead time you need to think about where to place your inventory in the in the smartest way in the smartest location so that you can fulfill your orders in a rather speedy manner and then you of course need to set up your teams your your uh, your warehousing operations teams in a way that you can also handle those peaks, right? So if you have, for example, a, a show and then suddenly um, you know that you're so, uh, showcasing certain products, right? So you need to make sure that you're not running out of stock when those online orders come in, in a peak, and that you have enough people, uh, uh, temporary or or experienced people that you can pull across from from, from other areas to fulfill those orders in, in the swiftest way, right? So we have a, have a very big commitment to fulfilling the order orders that come in, in um, the fastest possible way. So we really aim to fulfill within the same day, if not the very next day, and it's out on the road or out on the airplane or out on the ship um, to make sure that our product reaches then the customer in the fastest possible way.
1: So Nicole, we know that Omnichannel uh, has been an important aspect of a brand that reaches out to customers. I think you shared earlier on about the lead time, customer expectations. It's also a very debatable topic in retail to simplify and improve the customer buying experience. Um, How does this affect supply chain, uh, in your opinion? Um, I
0: think it just makes us need to react quicker to wherever a demand happens geographically. Right. And this requires a very close collaboration um, with the different countries that we are servicing um, to be aware about um, any shows, any events that they're planning. Right. So it's uh, it's a lot about close communication and collaboration with those with with the sales teams, with the marketing teams so that we are aware and are able to cater to those demands.
1: Right. So, Nicole, this. The year has been a very good year uh, for the logistics sector. I think uh, it's been busy. At the same time, we've also seen a lot of companies coming in uh, to talk about gender diversity, inclusions in their hiring policy. Um, UPS led with example. They have recently announced Michelle Hall as the newly appointed president for the APAC region, becoming its first female president. I think that's good news. At the same time, uh, within uh, I think after a week of the announcement, we saw uh, D.B. Schenker uh, appointed Aung Siu Wei as the new CEO and president of Schenker SinoCo in Japan and also CEO of D.B. Schenker's Northeast Asia cluster. What do you think about um, the, the industry now moving towards the direction of having more gender diversity and, and what are some of the challenges you think companies are facing when where they're hiring or where they're appointing uh, their first female leaders?
0: Yeah. So I mean, Amos, this is of course fantastic, fantastic news for women in supply chain, right? So we have here two trailblazers uh, taking on very, very exposed roles in supply chain as females. So I'm, I'm very, very happy about these news. All right. Um, but I mean, overall, you're right. Uh, we have a problem in supply chain and getting women into supply chain, um, and The reasons for that are are several, right? But I think we all need to start by looking at redesigning um, our hiring processes, our uh, talent development processes. So I think, I'm sure you know about this, Amos, um, but many people are not aware about this inherent bias we have um, against women in supply chain or against women in leadership roles. And this is for both males and females, right? So when I go into an interview process as a candidate, as a female, and I um, am interviewed and I'm in the running against other male candidates, I actually come in already with a disadvantage. So it's really important, and there are studies out there on how you can remove those biases from the hiring, from the candidate selection process to begin with, right? So there's several studies. One of them, for example, says you should make sure that your interviewing candidates are at least, you know, at least two female candidates um, should be in that candidate pool for your interviewing process. That removes bias, right? Right. you should always push your HR, your recruiter to find more female candidates because of that disadvantage that females come in. So you just start this by leveling the playing field, right? And then um, another problem is um, the job postings usually are um, wish lists of, you know, uh, 20 uh, uh, things the candidate should do from, you know, flying to the moon to, uh, you know, redesigning the supply chain. So, um, of course, females tend not to apply if they don't tick every single box on that job posting. So you already have another roadblock on the way to be having a female candidate in the interview process. So you you see there's there's lots of things we can do and we should do, right? And I think this, these two nominations are, of course, uh, a, a step in the right direction, and I hope it exposes... Uh, the many, many more women that are working in supply chain, right? But we do need to do more in that area.
1: Yeah, I, I have to agree with you because based on my experience and interactions with both gender doing an interview process or selection process, uh, the mentality of going forward is very different. We're now seeing more women coming out like yourself, um, being more visible in the market, uh, socially, online, for example, because... You don't just represent yourself. At many times when you're out there, you also represent your company, the brand. You can be an influence to bring new blood into the organization. That's how I see uh, the non-traditional way of recruiting now. Um, But then again, I get a lot of roadblocks. When I invite a female guest to come uh, on a podcast, I get more rejections than male. More than often, it's not that I don't want to balance out my guests, but more than often, uh, more often than not, I get rejected. I don't know why, <laughs> <laughs> but maybe maybe you can share your perspective on how women can stand out, be more visible, and uh, you know within the sector. And, and that that's not just about branding. Yes, it's about. Um, making the the industry more prominent and encourage mm. more gender diversity to come and join us.
0: Yes. So, no, you, you're touching on a very, very important subject there, Amos, right? Uh, women in supply chain and their visibility and their their willingness to become visible. So, um I would say now with with my work experience that I've had so far, um, when you are the odd one out, one of the easiest ways is to keep your head down so not to be so prominent, right? Um, And in the past, I think this is how we have dealt with, you know, being the only woman in a room with uh, 40 men sitting at the table. So you are trying to adapt, but you are not trying to stand out. The moment you start speaking and you start speaking up, you are standing out. So you're exposing yourself. And I think um, it's very, very important that women in supply chain start Stand out more. We have a few very, very prominent women in the network globally, which is fantastic. But at the end of the day, if for 100 men working in supply chain, only uh, sorry, 100 people working in supply chain, there are only 10 females, and then out of those 10 females, only one takes the baton and stands up and says, Hello, I'm a woman in supply chain, and yes. I can talk supply chain, then, of course, it will look like um, there's very few women around, right? So it's very, very important to encourage women. And um, same as you, Amos, um, whenever I am on a panel uh, as a moderator or as a panelist, or uh, I always look what's the diversity rate, and I try to push females in my network to come and talk. I started my speaking career in 2019. That was the first time. And the reason for that was um, I was just tired of only men talking about supply chain, right? So... Um, I have to say it is very challenging and it, 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 it takes courage to stand out there and be loud and noisy and, 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 and you know to, to have an opinion. but after a while um, it just becomes you know second nature. So it's really about taking that first step. Um, make yourself visible on LinkedIn um, contribute actively with your own posts on supply chain topics. Um, have an opinion. Um, And some people will not agree with you. And that is okay because this is how we start conversations, right? So we should not be afraid to just be prominent and out there and just make it more visible and also more attractive for the next generation moving in. We need to show people that supply chain has changed. It is not the traditional warehouse trucking and spreadsheets. Um, We're undergoing a digital transformation in supply chain. There's jobs out there that were not there five, six years ago. We have analytics, sustainability, you know, we're disrupting. We have network uh, designs, you know. There are so many different jobs in supply chain um, that people may not even realize are out there and very, very exciting jobs. Um, so, yeah, show people that supply chain has changed um, is also very important.
1: I think it's a very good insight that we hear from you today, Nicole. Uh, time passes so fast. It's um, a very good conversation. It gives me a lot of different perspective. I would love to have more women leaders from the supply chain sector coming forward and that I can speak with and exchange ideas with. Thank you so much for uh, spending your morning with me and I hope to catch up with you again, Nicole.
0: Thank you so much, Amos. It was a great discussion. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope this podcast can help in your learning journeys. Check us out on our LinkedIn page, Hatch Asia
1: Consulting. Till next time, keep growing.